here here in our mobile Buffalo Wild Wings studios. I've been watching first take that's been on the TV here. They've literally spent the whole show talking about Oregon and Colorado. <laughs> like, okay. And why? The game was terrible. What did the blowout say about Colorado? It says that they stink. Yeah, they're not. I mean, it's funny to me. Dion went from we're coming. I told you. I told you. I told you. We're coming. What'd you write? What'd you write? We're coming. To suddenly, well, you better, you better get us now. Because this is as bad as we're going to be. It's like, wait, what? You got, I mean, come on. Everybody knows what that was about yesterday. Or Saturday. That was all about recruiting. That's what it was. It was all about recruiting. Um, Spence in Tulsa understood the assignment. After week four, I know this. The defense is real. The offense is good but inconsistent. And Colorado is fraudulent. <laughs> well, I mean, you say that, but don't we all become fans of Colorado this week? Isn't that what you want more than anything else? Or do you need to see someone other than Dion beat USC? Is that what it is? No, I think everybody would be happy to see anybody beat USC, but uh, I wouldn't hold your breath on that. I don't think that's going to happen. Mondays are all about Oklahoma Sooner reaction, but just as a quick aside – Boy, the, the the schedule sure did end up living up to the hype and the excitement, right? I mean, from the start of the day, and obviously my nose was buried in Oklahoma and, and Cincinnati, but Florida State and Clemson went to overtime. It was incredible. The Ohio State-Notre Dame game, I mean, not just with the way that it finished, but in seeing Ryan Day's reaction afterwards <laughs> – what, Gosh. what do you make of that? I, you know, Lou Holtz is uh, Lou Holtz is outspoken at sure. times, and he did open uh, up a little bit of a can of worms. But uh, you know what? He's eighty six and everything. I mean, was Ryan Day? Where where do you fall on it? Was he I out would, of line or was lo- he within bounds? What is it? I, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't even know what Lou Holtz said. I have no idea. They I played. Think I can find it for you. They played a clip from the Pat McAfee show. And it seemed pretty it seemed pretty low key. It was like I mean it's not like he called Ryan but then I saw another attributed quote that called him losers and I was like, But that's not what I heard on the Pat McAfee show. But Lou Holtz was the king of always building up the opponent, right? Oh, this Navy team coming in. You know, it was always the greatest team that they'd ever seen that they would play. And that was what Lou Holtz would do. I basically what he said was They've lost to all these different teams, and the reason they lose is because they're not as physical as their opponent, and Notre Dame's going to take the same approach, and they're going to beat them. How dare you? Really? Man, it's not taking much to trigger us anymore, is it? No, I guess I kind of get it. I'm looking at some of your tweets today, and I'm like, my God. Some of y'all need to chill out. Calm calm down a little bit. Well, and the idea that – Ryan Day's taken up for his players. Stop it, dude. You're yeah. taking up for yourself. And and you got let's let's face it. You got a little bit lucky. Got a little bit lucky on not using that timeout whenever Notre Dame had the pass that was batted down. That was a great Colorado, Oregon obviously didn't live up to the hype, but if you stayed up late like I tried to, that was a that was a wild game between USC and Arizona State. The um the Oregon State Washington State game was pretty good. 
Alabama shut down Mississippi, Arkansas, and LSU were in a thriller. So, I don't know. I thought it was a good day, top to bottom. Wouldn't complain. Well, madam, I've guy G.J. Kinney for not running it up more against Nevada. But, eh, when you fall behind 17-zip, you got to take what's there. All right, you want to hit some um, want to hit some text messages? Let's hear from the folks. All right, it's the best way to stay in touch with the show. Let's go all in on them for the next, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Quick thought and reaction. After week four of Oklahoma Sooner football, I know this. The best way to get in touch with the show, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Lindsay writes, our fan base has always been uh, perfectionist, but I hope these overreactions one year after six and seven are PTSD because I don't want recruits to fear contentious Spencer Rattler treatment. Fair. I don't think you're going to get that. I don't think. Never going to change here, though. You know, no, no. And I, don't, I don't want it to. I want everyone to have these wildly high expectations. I guess. I guess I just I don't understand the disdain for Dylan Gabriel. I, I, I don't get it. Does he miss some passes? Sure. But every everybody does. And it wasn't his fault they went 6-7 and seven last year. Sure, he was a quarterback, but, man, you guys, you guys treat him like crap. I mean, it, it, I mean, you know it, too. And I see, I see it on the text line right now. I mean, you've just anointed Jackson Arnold, which I think he's going to be really good, too. But you, you also want it to all happen in time. The idea that Jackson Arnold couldn't beat out Dylan Gabriel is so laughable that I mean I, I really it's like I, I think you need to step outside take a little walk you know maybe kind of do the old stretch the arms out a little bit when you're walking and just have the reasonable expectation of yes it can happen sure. Caleb Williams did it though even that uh, what Iowa State game and beyond Caleb Williams showed you hey I'm a true freshman so even as uh, remarkable as he was to lead Oklahoma in the rally back versus Texas and some of the things he did versus Texas Tech he was amazing right as a true freshman and then he was a true freshman Trevor Lawrence there's a short list of guys recently uh well you mentioned his two games and you failed to mention the Baylor game or the Oklahoma State game. Well, that, that's what I said. The yeah, Iowa okay. State game on okay, got was it. not yeah. very good. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I misheard you. My bad. Never will doubt you again, Josh Helmer. That's, yes. that's what I'm saying. It was great, and then he was a true freshman, right? So, yeah. Okay, my bad. No, you're right. You're right. I just I, – I, I guess I'm not as concerned as some of you are. You might have the ultimate I told you so. You might be able to come in here and three weeks from now say, See? Told you, but I just, I don't share your concerns. K-Puck writes, everything looks good so far. I realize he's only had a couple of chances, but I will say, I am a little nervous about the punter. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've been spoiled with the punters here at Oklahoma over the last few years, especially Turk with the way that he could boom it. And I know he's still, you know, he was always working on the coffin corner and, pinning teams inside the 20. But, yeah, I don't – I don't know, dude. I I do think if you want to come to this show with a true, legit concern over special teams and punting, I'm, I'll listen. I'm here for it. I guess we are in the midst of a competition. I guess we truly are. 
Uh, see, there was one here. I have to laugh. Holy smokes. Dude, I, we might have to have an intern come in on Mondays to help us with the text line. <laughs> you think we need some assistance uh, weaving through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we do. Um, in fact, I kind of absolutely know that we do. Uh, here's one. Any updates on Canik? What was with the Cincy fans booing an injured player? Classless would not happen in Norman. Well, I let's not let's not say what we would or wouldn't do. Yeah, yeah, because there was quite a bit of oh, he's doing that to slow down the offense, which is ironic, of course, because it kind of felt like Cincinnati was doing that to start the game. Oh, they absolutely were. I mean, but fans are going to be fans, right? I mean. You know, to live in a glass house is a silly way to be. And uh, obviously, I think everybody, hindsight being 2020, wants to know that Jaron Kanick is okay. And it sounds like the update is not as serious, hopefully, right, as uh, maybe initially we thought. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I've ever been more concerned about a dude whenever I saw him being taken into the tent. Now, I stand a little bit behind everything, right? So I'm I'm behind the benches, but whenever it comes to the injury tent, I'm right there. I can stand, I can watch him go in. And when he came in, Josh, I was like, Oh my gosh, is he okay? There was blood. He was he couldn't he couldn't breathe. Immediately, you know, Jeffrey Lau, the Sooner Director of Rehabilitation, came sprinting out of the injury tent, and they were there looking for a, an oxygen tank. They had taken all of his stuff off, and I'm like, oh, man, I, I hope he's okay. We waited, and we waited, and we waited. And then when he came out and they put him on the gator to take him to the ambulance, uh, he was still struggling a little bit, but you could tell he was better. So... I'm sure Brent Venables will give us an update tonight on Sooner Sports Talk from Rudy's. But I will say, man, there was a couple of, oh gosh, who was, there was a couple of Ron L. Lewis injuries when he came off the field where you're like, oh, is he okay? He can't breathe. When Trevor Knight, got lit up against Baylor, when Dylan Gabriel went down against TCU, when um, DeMond Harmon was down last year against TCU. Those were scary moments just being on the field. That absolutely was a scary moment, Josh, with Cannon coming off the field. He just he couldn't catch his breath. It was mm. – And when you see somebody just collapse or, right. you know – crumble like that is uh, very, very frightening. The 918. Playing Josh, I think the biggest issue may be we're not used to having a good defense so that we don't have to score 50 points in a game. The only thing I noticed about DG is it seemed he was putting more air under some of his deep balls. I know he's been working on upping his velocity to flatten out the throws. It's a good observation. One guy was like, when you said that Jalil Farouk, that was on him. I nearly ran off the road. Sir, i just pointing out an observation that Teddy Lehman made while watching the game in person and seeing what he's doing. 
because I've seen Jalil Farouk in those moments, and there's an extra gear that didn't kick in. And and who knows, right? I mean, Teddy goes back and watches the film. Maybe he'll say something different today, but in the moment, that was his reaction. You sound like somebody that's been crushing Dylan Gabriel for that throw, Josh. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, from the 405, Canada going down was 100% legit. But to be fair, in real time, it looked like it died. We've all seen the actual phony flops look like that. Yeah, I, I think that's part of it, too. I'm glad. I thought, I thought Bearcat fans, I thought the Cincy fans that I dealt with were great. I really and I didn't have much exposure to them. Like I said, the OU fans were right behind the the Sooner bench, which was awesome. And the Cincy fans, they were just excited to see Joe Mixon, who was down there on the sidelines for the Sooners. But I am um I I, I didn't I got in that moment why they would freak out. But here we are. Here we are couple days later with the um, advantage of instant replay. Oh, you know what? I can't even keep up. Let's go to the prep page. Let's go to all the ones I've already saved for the show today. It's a good problem to have. I'm not complaining. Look, Angry Ronnie has checked in. Angry Ronnie is back before we get to the phones. He writes, sure, Gabriel could play a little better. Overall, he's doing a fine job. Since at OU, He's been not great at throwing the deep ball, but he's doing fine. Levy is hit and miss. First game, great. Second game, not great. Third game, great. Fourth game, not great. In my opinion, it's more Levy and his play calling than Dylan Gabriel. Isn't it fun to have these types of complaints about the offense after spending, since you and I have done this show together, Starting in February of 2016, Josh, to have people complaining about the offense and not the defense, isn't it? Isn't it a little bit kind of refreshing? It's a little different. Like, wow, look at this. No doubt about it. I mean, 16 and 17, we had Baker. 18, we had Kyler. 19, we had Jalen Hurts. Yeah, there was some, there was some concern about Spencer Rattler in 20, but it was also a first-year starting quarterback and. He went and won the Cotton Bowl. And in 21, Caleb Williams took over. But in all of that, you know, at the quarterback position, you always felt good, always felt good about the offense. But it was that damn defense. Now look at us, Josh. Now look at us. Everyone finally gets the defense that they want, and they're just up in arms over an offense that is like, like still in the top ten offense in the country. It's good sometimes, man. Let's get True Sooner in before the break at 405-329-9000, the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. What's going on, True? How are you? How's it going, man? It's hey, great. Uh, you know, I don't want to go back to uh, pre-sports radio days because I'm addicted to your station now. Go ahead. And I, and, and I don't want to go back to pre-social media days because I like to get on the book that is Face. Is that what you oh, say? Oh, the book and, of Faces. And, and, Absolutely. Yeah, it's great. And X, X and all that stuff, you know. Um, but – Man, times were a little bit simpler, you know, when when sports got two minutes a day on, you know, on your local TV channel, and then you had to, like, think about, you came up with your own, um, you know, observations. And How, you dare you, your <laughs> <laughs> How dare and you, True? How dare you come on this radio station and suggest we should have two minutes? 
but I mean, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm I'm all excited about it because I've been saying how nice it is to have. You know, I, I wanted a defense. I didn't like those those arena football games we were having that were 51 to 48. No, by the way, if we'd have had this defense in 2016, we'd have won a national championship. You know, and all that kind of stuff. But man, these fans are unbelievable. I mean, I got news for people: Kyler Murray and 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 Baker and Jalen. They didn't bat 1,000. You know what I mean? They they weren't perfect, and this is a simply a case of, you know, Dylan Gabriel. You want you know I've heard a lot of people say he's our new Landry Jones. You know, well he's the all-time leading passer at OU. You, you know, Nate Hibble was the Rose Bowl MVP. I mean, I just don't get. I guess it's I guess it's because you're you're Gary Gibbs following Barry Switzer. I mean I don't know. I mean I don't I don't know what the hatred toward him is. He he's he obviously is not perfect, but neither were those guys. And I think those guys had so many electric moments that covered up mm-hmm. um, those things. You know, Tyler may throw two incompletions, then he might run 80 yards in, in six seconds. So I, I don't know if that's part of it or, or what, you know, what it is, but it's, it, it makes these people look stupid. I, I think, though, and it's something that I'm very guilty of as a fan, true, so I get it, where you – if you have a young, up-and-coming backup quarterback at any level, if it's a rookie in, in the NFL, if it's a five-star in college football, you always think that you're in a better spot with your backup quarterback because they're the future. True, I'm in that right now with the Raiders, right? No, I'd much rather see Aiden O'Connell out there right now no. than I would see Jimmy Garoppolo. But you know what? It's just not the reality. And what happens when he goes out there and he, and he stinks up the joint? Which could happen too. So I'm I'm okay with being patient. Yeah, it's just I mean, and, and you know, it's just aggravating, man. Because I just I, I see the things that he's doing, and you know, and and you know, last year they want to blame that six and seven on DG when when that was he was if they hadn't had DG last year, they probably would have went three and nine and nine. I mean, but it's it's aggravating. But you know, it's just the way I, I realize it's just the way it is, and. And, you know, there's nothing else we can do about it. I hey, mean, no. you know. Yeah, you're right. See you, man. See you, buddy. I, I, let's be honest. Let's be honest. It is fine, fine um, to be critical of any aspect of your football team. It's what makes us all fans. It is fine to dis- disagree with that. But there's also a level to where – you know, when it goes beyond, yeah, you know, it's, that was a, a, a tough throw or that was a miss or that was a bonehead play. When it goes beyond, he sucks, he's terrible, he's the reason we're this or that. It's like, well, hold on here. And to if you're living in the absolutes, the world of absolutes, where Arnold's going to come in and be better than Gabriel. Sure. Dangerous game. Dangerous game. And, you know, I, I've been blessed – to talk to a lot of coaches, and I know that this isn't a humble brag, but there's a lot of area coaches, not just, you know, former OU coaches. I don't think Coach Stoops listens to me, but high school coaches. And when when these types of conversations happen, 9.9 out of 10 times, it's, yeah, there's no need to rush the freshman. Give him time. Give him time. Can he be special? You bet. But there's no guarantee that it's going to click right away. Jackson Arnold appears to be pretty special. 
But for right now, he is he is the future. And the only way he's the now is with an injury or a bottom-of-the-barrel performance. And you're not getting that right now. Can I, can I add one more? Well, we're up against it. I've got another reason why I think that there is a certain sense of why was it not as good as it should have been from the offense. I've got, I've got another reason next. Uh, it's a Plank Show. It is a Monday Sooner Reaction edition, and we'll hit the text line next. But I, I do want to throw out one thing that kind of seemed to permeate throughout the nation this week and see if you guys agree with me next right here on The Ref. Oh, and we're back. <laughs> How close did I not cut that, Josh? 15 seconds? Yeah, you're good, dude. Okay. okay. Nobody would have known unless you said something. Well, no, no, no. I um, So we're, we're at OU today, and where we do the show from – uh, the the drinks and stuff are a level up. And I got to get my steps in to get back in shape. So I went running upstairs. Well, and you've got to have your drinks. Got to have my coffee. I've only had two cups today. Josh, I, uh, I did Morning Men this morning on Mad Dog Sports Radio. How'd it go? My co-host didn't show up. So oh, I my God. <laughs> what so happened? I, did, I, did, I don't know. I have no idea. Still haven't heard anything? Still haven't heard anything. Are they okay? I hope so. It was a former NFL player named Robert Turbin, and I haven't seen anything, so I hope he's okay. Did they? Uh, did you guys communicate beforehand? Like, did they know they were supposed to be doing the show? There was a full text chain yesterday with ideas and excitement and all that stuff shared. Wow, it sounds like an oversleeping situation to me. Do you know how great that fear is for me? Oh, it's it's the worst, right? Galactic. <laughs> oh, especially. OU Texas weekend is number one, number one on that. I do not sleep the night before that game. Or I go to bed at like 6 p.m. <laughs> like, so I know I'm good. Yeah, I don't know how the uh, 6 to 9ers or, you know, know, 5 a.m.ers do it. And and uh, I applaud you when you do it. It's I can't fall asleep on nights like that because I'm so anxious I'm going to oversleep and then I don't sleep at all. Yeah, oh, exactly. Exactly. Um, oh gosh, there's so many, there's so many good stuff on the text line right now. There's no way we're going to get to it. Um, there's KA and BA. Guys, this is not new. The fans booed Steve Davis as well. All he did was go 32-1-1 and win two national championships. Dylan is going to be fine, and I still think he'll end up in New York at the end of the year. Meanwhile, you have Trey, who is a, a one-man anger machine. I've never seen anyone with more disdain <laughs> for Dylan Gabriel than Trey in the 405. I mean, this is borderline concerning, Trey. But I'll get you one more in here. He writes, okay, fine. None of this is DG's fault. If this is the QB play we want from here on out, then we can't expect any kind of titles. It's sad how low our standards are now heading into the SEC. You know, and, and I'm glad that you read this text because I've seen a lot of this narrative out there, not, not just from Trey. And uh, I think it's important that we address it. This is not a lowering of the guard for <laughs> Oklahoma standards. This is maybe – for you individually or for others, a recalibration of how this program meets the standards that you want. And this is why I've said for a little while that, to me, Plank, 
a quarterback like Dylan Gabriel might be a blessing in disguise for Oklahoma because it, again, reconfigures this program into we're not always going to have Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and Sam Bradford quarterback play every single season. And to go win national championships at times, yes, you might need that guy. But Alabama didn't win national championships with that guy every single season. So to learn how to win, to learn how to be great, to find ways to go win that Cincinnati game, and not even just Cincinnati, this Texas game coming up in a couple of weeks where you don't have Baker Mayfield, you don't have Kyler Murray, is healthy for Oklahoma and for us as fans to recalibrate that sometimes you're not going to have that quarterback is healthy for Oklahoma. He's No, no, I didn't open that, Craig. I only opened this. Sorry. Um, he's number four in the country. In oh, I'm sorry, I, I can't sell anyone on stats because I've been told that stats lie. I meant I'm not, I'm not trying to sell you that Dylan Gabriel is some elite quarterback. I'm just telling you, it did that ain't it as far as the take on. I just I could not disagree with you more. It's a very Arnie reaction when you're like, eh, I don't think it's that bad. Oh, so I guess there's nothing wrong. I guess this is just what we have to come to expect as Sooner fans. Uh, just below average quarterback play. Like, it's not below average. It's really good. It's just not elite. It's not. There's only a handful of dudes that are put the team on the back and they're going to win a game for you at the quarterback position. And eventually what happens? Fires out. Somewhere down the road it burns out, right? Bryce Young was that guy last year. Where'd he get Alabama? I mean, just – I hate this take, but I'm going to say it. You could be much worse off. Sean actually sent a really good – got to find my phone. Sean sent a good text earlier. You don't have your phone. No, I, I set it in different places whenever I'm walking around here for some reason. I know. it's it's uh, You're going to get the coffee. Right. And- then I'll set it down over here, and I got a timer on it. Uh, Sean writes, would you rather have Dylan Gabriel or Emory Jones or Jackson Dart because DG is good and he's awesome compared to those two? Right. I mean, yeah, Dart was like, I don't know what happened to him. Guys, there, there probably wasn't a scenario – where Jackson Arnold was going to come in and be a freshman starter from day one, that that just doesn't happen at the quarterback position in college football. It didn't happen with Trevor Lawrence. And I know we've all built this thing up in our mind, and it's fine. It should be there. But I don't, I don't think it's as bad as some of you are laying out. No. Would I... Would I absolutely, positively love to see a guy like Baker out there? Yeah. But Dylan's so different. I mean, with Spencer Rattler, what he became reviled by the by the fan base and the student section, and it became very popular to have a Spencer Rattler hate story. Yeah. Right? Spencer Rattler didn't shake my hand. He, well, I was at church, and I saw Spencer Rattler take money out of the collection plate when it was passed around. <laughs> right. You know, just, there was a lot going on there. Right? I mean, Dylan's a pretty beloved dude. His teammates love the guy. He's very popular in the locker room with his, his teammates. Very popular with the coaches. But, and one incomplete pass, and suddenly, oh, same old thing again. Here we go. 
Chris in Chicago writes, having gone to Oklahoma from 91 to 95, I have level expectations surrounded by those that have only experienced Barry and Bob. People need to chill and enjoy the ride. And, and I want to be very clear here. I'm not trying to shape the way you think. You guys are going to – I could come to you with – guys like Trey who have their opinions and Sooner Soldier and Oklahoma Jones and all you guys. You know, I could stand outside and we could look at a blue sky. And I could say, it's a blue sky. And you might say, see a little bit more green in it. So I just that I could come to you with the facts of all facts, and you would still argue with me, and that's fine. That's what we do. But the unfortunate reality in this fight is the we'll see. We'll see. You might end up sounding brilliant in three weeks from now. Or you might double down and say, well, it could have been better. Could have been a bigger blowout. Could have had more points. I know that you were a runner-up for the Heisman Trophy, but you could have won it if we would have had this guy playing. It's just and and all of this either heats up to a uncomfortable degree after the Red River showdown, or everybody says, "All right, you know what? The coaching staff, I think, got this one right." If you go beat Texas, I mean, you know, right? I mean, that's all it's going to boil down to. There's so many of you that already have that ready in your drafts, right? I know you do, Trey. Be honest. You're ready to be there. Told you. Terrible. Un- I am not going to accept this level of quarterback play with my Sooners. My buddy Chris Rainey just texted it and said, please remind everyone that it's always about the trenches, your offensive line and defense. Yes, that, that's, that's what needs to get corrected in the this next – we can, you know, change here. I love it. I love this passion. I, I'm not complaining about it. No, it's a beautiful thing. It's, did we it's, take it's our bottom, fans. Did we take our bottom of the hour break? We could, uh, we could do that. That'd okay. be nice to do. Uh, real quick, Oklahoma Jones writes, uh, Sooner fans, please stop being so sensitive about Cincinnati fans booing Canick. First off, they thought he was faking to slow down the game. Every fan base boos in that situation. OU home games could use more of it, in my opinion. Go to OU Texas where they boo everyone from the Texas band to the governor of Texas to the little kids representing Texas. Yeah, I um, and I I question an injury in the first quarter. I mean, they had back-to-back guys just go down, and then lo and behold, I'm like, well, it's the second time this has happened in two minutes, and then the guy where I question it goes right to the injury tent. So I feel terrible, but it's the reality whenever you're going up against a hurry-up offense. All right, quick break. When we come back, uh, this the Kinnipalmeyer Chevrolet text line has been hot. When your reaction from the Sooners win on Saturday over Cincinnati after Week Four of Sooner football, I know this. We're diving into it next on the ref. Man, Josh Helmer, I hate it when I fall down an Instagram rabbit hole during a break. What uh, happened? Just stupid reels. How did the Kevin James meme become a thing yesterday? I don't know, but it's incredible. Isn't it? I love Kevin James. I, I, I'm a little bit still miffed at how it became a thing, but in that same vein, I'm not like complaining about it. I just want to know the story behind that photo. Like, was, what? What is the story with that photo? Was he told like, "Hey, right, smile for the cool. camera"? You know, like, what? What is that picture from? Oh man, I have no idea, but it's fantastic. It was all over the NFL talk yesterday. By the way, see several questions and comments about it. Uh, we'll get an update on Jared Canick tonight on the coaches' show. Maybe even before then. I think the Sooners are going to have a post-practice availability around 5.30 or 6. But Toby and Ted will have Coach Venables tonight, and we'll get an update. Everything seemed positive. Yeah, it was scary. I was right there whenever he came off the field, and he uh, he was struggling. 
but the Sooners have an incredible athletic training staff. Uh, Dr. Ted Bame, who is one of the – he's the medic of the plank, plank platoon. He was right there making sure he was good. Uh, Robert Fulton and his entire staff, his athletic training staff, were there to, to take care of him. And if I'm not – everything that I had heard was that he flew back with the team. So good news. Good news. We'll see if he's available this weekend. Miss R from Norman hits us up on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We made the trip. Lots of Sooner fans in the airports. Atmosphere, student section was good. We were in the upper section on the south, 25. So let's see, upper section. So they were on the side over closest to the student section. After the game, we were approached by a couple of UC fans, asked where we were from. They were amazed at the number of Sooner fans there. They estimated around 15,000. How many would you say? He also didn't know OU was such a national brand. We were at the game at 10 at Bengal Stadium. Definitely prefer Nippert. Let's see, what what did they claim that held, Josh? Like 40, 48, 50 maybe? Yeah, I would. There was a lot of Sooner fans there. I mean, I, I was even for someone who was, you know, expecting a pretty good contingent of Sooner fans. I, I was really impressed with the number of Sooner fans that were there. The uh, one catch that Stoops made early – it was, yeah, you, you could hear it on TV. It was pretty impressive for a traveling yeah. party. That's so cool. That's so cool. Hey, so, by the way, on the uh, – this is very, very minor here. Yeah, but go ahead. On the Gus Johnson, Joe Clatt thing. Right, that we had earlier. Yeah, somebody texted and was like, yeah, it didn't seem like they knew who was what or what was going on. They did at one point early in the broadcast show those two, and basically they were pointing out, yo, it is very sunny up here. We can't really tell – uh, it's it's tough to call this game right now. So I think that played into maybe why they weren't as good as they normally would. Okay, that's fair. Um, Thirty. By the way, oh, it's not even 40,000, 38,000. Toby and Ted, I don't know if Toby talked about it today, but I'm sure Ted will today at three. You're staring right into the sun for the majority of the first half. I mean, right into the sun. And I think the TV booth was actually a, le- a level up from the, the radio booth. So, it, yeah, that could have been tough. And you're staring into it, and there's no shade. It's a very narrow area. So, yeah, that makes some sense. And, and if you're unfamiliar and haven't planned, like, hey, I need my shades for this. Right. Yeah, okay, so 38,000. If there were 15,000 Sooner fans, yeah, I don't think we quite had half the place. No, it's a little bit less. But I would say a good, you know, ten to twelve thousand Sooner fans there. Uh, the five eight zero. I feel like we could have scored more points than what was up than what was put up. The talent and ability is there. Do you all agree or disagree? Oh, we we said it many times. You know, it, you you felt like even at the end of the first half, Josh, this was a game where Oklahoma, you know, should have gone in at the very least. What it was ten three at the half. At least maybe seventeen to three. Yeah, well, at at it, the worst. If you don't have the Gabriel fumble, fumble you got at least thirteen. So it, it well, and probably another touchdown, right? So yeah. That was a drive. Now, that was a really, really good drive. There were, and they were going to convert on that third down. Well, I don't know. Coach Soup said him, he might have been short. That kid came up and made a play. I mean, he made a big time play. Uh, on Gabriel to force that fumble. But, yeah, no, I am um, 
I would defend those who were complaining about the call on the TV side by saying, yeah, that was that was one of the most unique setups I think I've ever seen. That was one of the most unique. Um, from a broadcasting from a broadcast point. perspective. Sorry, yeah, thank you. Uh, the nine one eight. I keep here. I keep hearing Sawcheck isn't healthy. But then why on earth is he out on kick coverage? I'm just not understanding the running back situation. I've never seen anybody swap out running backs in a per-game basis. Just weird. I, I don't think you're alone, and I kind of feel the same way. I would add, I don't, know how, I don't know how much he's doing in practice. Right? And we just, boy, we sure do write that off a lot of times. But it mattered. It's mattered to every staff I've ever covered. There is not this feeling, and Jeff Levy even said it last year. He's not a, and Brent Venables isn't either, that you play, you practice poorly, right, and then play well. Not a believer in the uh, term gamers. Gamers, yeah. Oh. Um, Oklahoma Jones, I love Teddy's breakdown of the defense on his podcast. At this point, I have to believe the defense is legit. Offensively, we can definitely get better, and I believe we will. Okay, I had brought up before we went to break last segment something that I think still in a lot of people's eyes made 20-6 to and even, gosh, what was the score of 24-11, to whatever it was against SMU. I just – I think the inability – to route SMU and Cincy doesn't sit well because I don't, and especially, you know, TCU took care of SMU this weekend. But I think people still view Cincinnati as a mid, right? This isn't a, this isn't a Big 12 team. This isn't even a Power 5 team. It's a Cincinnati Bearcats. What? We got to kick the snot out of them. And I think that perception frames a lot of how people look at how good their defense actually is. That That's fair. And even if you look at – Cincinnati and okay they're a big 12 team and they're not a group of five team people don't look at them as a very good big 12 team right <laughs> right, now. right right um there is one more that I wanted to get to here real quick land thief 918 I understand we all want to hang half a hundred on everybody every game what we as Sooner Nation need to understand is we're a different team we play good defense and score more than the other team again I understand this is new but when in advance we will be fine. Let the program work. The The other thing I find interesting is when our offense picks and chooses to go fast and when it doesn't. You know, last – on Saturday, there were a couple times when Corleone was off the field. I was like, go, 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 let's go, let's go. And they would, they would slow down and substitute. And thus that gives them a chance to get back on the field. But I think they've shown they can go fast, they can slow it down, they can play complimentary football if necessary. All right, top five stories today morphs into the top five things that stood out to us from the Sooner football game the Saturday before. That's coming up here in a bit as we roll on a Monday, a reactionary Monday, the Plank Show on the ref. All right, final segment of Hour 2 before we get into our top five takeaways from Saturday. Uh, This is... This has been an all-timer on the text line today. In fact, Josh will be all over it in the final 30 minutes of the show. Uh, no shock here 
11 a.m. the kick time for OU Texas. This always opens up a debate or a conversation, right? Is is this ever is even getting into the SEC? I don't think we're ever going to get a prime time OU Texas game. Just you know, based on some of the challenges of the location. To be honest, you know what I was wondering, Plank. Go ahead. Do you ever think this will be a night game, OU Texas? <laughs> <laughs> why? Why hasn't this thing ever been played at night? It, you, let me ask this. When you go to the SEC, do they maybe say, hey, y'all, let's go ahead and put it in prime time? I love the 11 a.m. start for it. I'm not going to lie. 11 a.m., 2.30, both are perfect. Perfect. Almost, I've almost become to where at 2.30, I'm like, oh, that's too late. Just give me 11 a.m. I want 11 a.m. I, I, seriously, I love the early trip to the fair. I love – you know, having the if, – especially if you win the rest of the day. 2.30 is not bad. I'm not complaining. And and you get plenty of the state fair in the daytime sure. afterwards. If, if you win, you hanging around, some fried Oreos, fried Snickers. Oh, life is good. Beer in a wax cup. Let's go. Oh. 11 a.m., though, a week from Saturday, Oklahoma and Texas in the red – River rivalry. It is official. All right, top five takeaways from Saturday next. We're live from OU on a reactionary Monday right here on The Ref.